We're in the second week of a series where we're talking about the fact that we live in a society that is so easily offended. I mean, you can simply look at somebody wrong and they're offended. You can have a certain political belief and they're offended. Hell, you can like a certain college football team and they're offended. Right, Uncle Bob? Like, we just live in the day and time of thin skin. And it's affecting our relationships. It's affecting how we function in society. No longer can we agree to disagree. No longer can we listen to a differing view, give our differing view and go on and be friends. Social media has become a cesspool of opinions, and everyone thinks they're right, and everyone who doesn't agree thinks they're wrong and gets offended by it. So we're talking about what the Bible has to say about that this week, and last week we talked about the fact that God never called us to be right. I know that's hard for some of you to comprehend. God never calls us to be right, God calls us to simply love. But today's going to be real fun because we're going to talk about those people. Now, I just want you to raise your hands for fun. If you think I might know or you might know who we're talking about when I say those people. Those people, raise your hand. Don't point at them. Those people are crazy. Don't point at them. You know what I'm talking about, those people. The great thing about those people is no matter where you stand on the spectrum, there's those people. There are those people who have a differing view than you, but they don't just have a differing view than you. They're those people about their views. Those people can be challenging, those people are often critical. They can't express their opinion without belittling your opinion. Those people, boy, they're controlling. They're arrogant. They can just be really, really mean at times. A lot of times they're just jackasses, let's be honest. It's a biblical term. So it's not really cussing. Those people. Those people want to tell everyone everything they know any chance they get. No matter the situation. Those people, and I've been accused of this from time to time by my wife, don't know how to read the room. Those people, again, show of hands now that I've given you a little more descriptor. You know what I'm talking about, those people. You'll see them shouting up a storm, raising cane on social media because, man, those people are keyboard warriors. They are the toughest SOB behind their phone. I have some people like that in the community that I love to go out of my way when I see them in public to make sure I talk to them because they're really tough on my social media. And so kind face to face. See them on social media. Those people, they like to spread rumors at the office. At every family gathering, anybody been to family gatherings lately? There's those people. If you don't think there's those people at the family gathering, it's because you are those people. They're everywhere. Matter of fact, this week on Facebook, I posted that I was teaching a sermon called Those People. And true story, I had a lady slide into my DMs, not inappropriately slide into my DMs, furiously slid into my DMs, upset, ticked, angry, mad. What kind of preacher would preach a message 
about other people and call it those people. So I ignored her because that's what I do. She saw, I guess she saw the little icon that I read it. She didn't like my lack of response. And about 30 minutes later, honestly, is that a Christian thing to do? Who are those people? What are you trying to say? People that don't agree with you? And then I ignored it. And then she pulled that low-hanging fruit. Boy, it's the low-hanging fruit. I thought you were supposed to be a man of God. Now, this crazy psycho don't even know what I'm talking about when I say those people, but she's upset about it. So I responded finally after three messages. I said, thank you for the message. Your views have been duly noted. And you will be making my illustration this Sunday as one of those people. She blocked me. But I know you're watching online. How do we deal with those people? Life is full of those people. How do we allow those people not to drive us crazy? How do we love those people? Because the Bible says we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our neighbor's not always people that we like. It's not everybody that looks like us, believes like us, has the same views as us. So how do we love people when they're those people? How do we honor those people? How do we show those people the love of God? It's hard. As followers of Christ, there's no question about it. We are called to love. We're called to love everybody. I shared with you last week that I recently had someone ask me, would I be welcome in your church because of their sexuality? It was comical to me. I wanted to be like, you think your sexuality is the biggest issue we have at this church? Of course you're welcome. We love everybody. We love people right where they are. You can go love a goat for all I care. I don't care. We're not going to judge someone based on who they love. We love people. And we don't love like most churches where I like to call it the bait-and-switch love. Hey, you're welcome here, oh, but now that you're here, you got to change. No, we just love people. Even if they don't agree, always with my views, I have to love people. I have just learned that everyone has a right to be wrong and disagree with me but I have to love those people. Some people are more difficult to love, but we're called to love. And I think today in time, because everybody has access to giving their opinion, it's like those people are a little harder to even love than ever before. Because we see everybody's views on everything. And we're a divided country, and we're a divided church, and we're divided families. And we're divided over the stupidest issues. I'm going to get into that later. But it's so easy to get frustrated. So easy to get angry. So how do we respond to those people? Normally the way I teach is I like to give you two or three points, and I'm not going to do that today. We're just going to take the Scripture and let it preach itself. So we're going to go to Ephesians. I'm going to hang out there. I'm going to read some stuff. We're going to go back and break it down. Because sometimes I don't need to add my sense of intelligence, which I know is mind-boggling to so many of you, and break it down. The Scripture just breaks itself down. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Oh, I'm going to break that down. People love to use this verse against me. Let no unwholesome talk come from your mouth. And we have taken unwholesome talk and we've turned it into cussing. That's not what this means. I'm going to break it down. You're going to love it. I'm going to 
I'm going to justify my dirty mouth. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I hate this part right here. It says, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as in God Christ forgave you. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot that I don't like there. There's a lot that if I was God and thank God I'm not God, that would not be there. I'm not a big fan of the be kind to one another thing. I hate that forgiving one another crap. I'm not a big fan of the tender-hearted stuff. You cross me. I want to hold a grudge forever. Just how I'm wired. It's not very beneficial to me. It doesn't serve much purpose. Let's get back to the first 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. I find it interesting that it says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give a foothold. Man, that is a power-packed verse. Here's what you need to understand. In your anger, being angry is not a sin. It says, in your anger, don't sin. There's going to be some things in life that make you angry. There's going to be some actions that make you angry. There's going to be some words that make you angry. There's going to be some situations that make you angry. It's not a sin to be angry. We've kind of messed that up. We've, we've told people that being angry, we raise our kids when they get angry and we tell them that they're wrong or we almost punish them if they get angry. Anger is a natural emotion. It says, in your anger, do not sin. When you're angry, it's not justification to act any way you want to act. And that's hard. When I get angry, I <laughs> become very sinful. It's hard to go anywhere today, interact with people today. It's hard to go online. It's hard to sit around family sometimes and interact with people. It's hard to open up the news app on my phone and read the stories. And sometimes, man, not get offended and not get angry. And I try to remind myself all the time when I feel anger swelling up in me or I'm in situations I don't like, that there's really no win in my anger. There's no win in being offended. Last night, I had to be in a situation around people who have made it very clear they don't like me. I didn't look forward to that. It's not high on my priority list. Take my Saturday night, go around people who do not like me. It was important to my wife, I went. If it was important to anybody else, I wouldn't have went. On the way there, I have an attitude. And I turn on my Pandora station. Now, you need to understand something. I listen to very depressing country music. That's what I listen to. But the last time I had been on Pandora was when I was at the gym. So it automatically went to this heavy metal workout station on my Pandora. And the song was by Three Days Grace called Riot. And so I'm pulling out of the neighborhood, and this guy's talking about people crossing you and making you angry and how you ought to burn it down and start a riot. And I'm not even thinking, and I'm getting angry thinking about where I'm going. And I'm like, I'm walking in, and this is what I said to myself. I said, I'm going to be an asshole the minute one of them talked to me. I was jacked up. I got about to the second red line. I said, that's going to go over like screen doors on a submarine. We already have family staying with us, so there's no bonus room for me to sleep in tonight when Christine's mad. I might have to go sleep on the couch. If I sleep on the couch, the dogs are going to be in there licking my face. I'm not going to sleep good. i got to get up and preach. 
pulled out my phone, flipped my Pandora station over to worship music. I tried to get my mind right because here's it, there was no win in me being offended. Nothing good came out of me being offended. There's no victory in it. I've never been offended and been like, man, that makes my life more joyful to be offended. My marriage has never been better when we choose to be offended with each other. My world's never been better when I'm fired up about some injustice in the world. That doesn't mean we ought to not care about injustice in the world. Key is not to sin in the middle of it. That's the problem with so many of you. You get fired up about injustice in a sinful way and you become ineffective because you don't know how to handle it. You know, it's funny. I've never gotten closer to God while I'm offended. I've never been a better mindset when I'm walking around with unforgiveness. It just doesn't work that way. If I'm not careful in those situations, I become sinful in my anger. When we become sinful, I don't win, nobody else wins, I become intolerable. And oh, by the way, you do too. But they offended me. Cool. You're responsible for your actions. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. I'm not responsible for how they respond. I'm responsible for how I respond. The reality is, and I posted this on Facebook this week too, being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen. But living offended is a choice. There's going to be people that come along and they offend you, and then you can choose what you do with that offense. You can make yourself better and hold on to it. You can make yourself better and get angry. You can make yourself better and get bitter. Oh, I'm not talking about you can get better. You can make it worse. Or you can move on from that situation. There's nothing you can do in life to stop from being offended. I was actually listening to a little documentary podcast thing the other day about this guy. And he, I thought this was so funny. I didn't even know he was going to say this. I didn't know he had anything to do with my message. And he got so sick of the society and so sick of the world that he moved to Alaska, and for 25 years, he was around nobody else. Nobody. And they asked him, they said, how was that 25 years? Were you any different? He said, no. He said it got to the point where human nature would just kick in. If I'm lying, I'm dying. He said this, he goes, it got to the point where the wild animals would offend me. I'd put all this work in on building a fence. I'd get up the next morning and a bear had knocked it down. Being offended is inevitable. Things are going to make you angry, but living there is a choice. Before you leave here today, I good chance you'll get offended. Have you ever watched how people park and leave here on a Sunday? It's offensive. I've almost had more wrecks leaving this parking lot on a Sunday morning than I have driving on 20 every day of my life. People will offend you. Someone will not say hello to you because they're busy this morning and you'll go be offended all week long. You didn't even say hello to me. I didn't even see you. I think it's one of the reasons Paul here is telling us we've got to be really, really careful. We're in control of our emotions. If we... Hold on to anger if we're always nurturing an offense, always playing it over and over and over in our head. We're talking to other people and we're feeding off of it. If we're rehearsing the hurts, what we're doing is the Bible says we're giving the devil a foothold. You're giving the devil just that grasp of you. I did some research on that word this week because I thought I knew what foothold meant. I thought it meant kind of like, you know, those people that are in shape, unlike me, that climb rocks, and they're stupid, and they go up the side of a mountain. Like, I go to the gym, and for some reason, my gym thinks it's cool on the TV to have all these Red Bull Extreme things on there, like anybody's ever going to do any of that stuff at that gym. 
But I watch them climb the side of these rocks, and they're looking for that one little crevice to put their foot on. I thought that's what a foothold was. Or, or maybe when someone goes to slam the door and you stick your foot in the door and you're, you're just cracking it open a little bit. I thought that's what a foothold was. Or, or someone's you're walking along and you get, got a toddler and they're just tugging on the back of your, your pants trying to grab you. They're not really stopping you. I thought that's what a foothold was. I, I thought a foothold was kind of something minuscule, that small crevice that little crack in the door, the, the tug, I thought it was something like that, but it actually comes from the Greek word tapas, and it literally means a place or a room, something large. So in other words, if you go on and you're living in your anger and you're living in your offense and you're living in your bitterness, you're giving the devil a room in your heart. It's not a small little foothold. You're allowing him to set up a place in which to live, and it will consume you. We've been there. There ain't a one of us that have not been there. There's not a one of us that have not allowed that foothold to set up in the middle of our sin. We're angry. I remember being mad at this gentleman in our community who I'd never met, ever, over the way he posted his political views on Facebook. I didn't agree with his political views. I don't, still don't agree with his political views. Didn't agree with the way he posted it. But I didn't even know him. I got to the point that I would go and try to figure out how can I accidentally run into this guy. And I just want to see him face to face. A foothold. Like what a waste of time. I got to where I would wait to see if he would post something. Where I could get fired up about it. A foothold. Do you think there's anything healthy about that? And don't sit there all quiet like you ain't done it. A lot of you have done it when it comes to me and my post. Looking for something to be offended about. Waiting for someone to say something that you're not going to agree with. Guess what? You're not always going to agree with everyone. When you do that, you're allowing the devil to have a foothold in your life. I, I don't want the devil... You say, Gary, do you really believe in the devil? I don't believe you can believe in a God and not believe in a devil. For in order to be good, there has to be evil. There's one, there's either none or there's both. I believe we have an enemy and he wants to destroy us. And I'll be damned if we're going to allow him to set up camp in our life. I'm not going to do whatever I can to give him a foothold. I, I, I don't want him to have access, even a foothold in my life, in my marriage, in my business. I don't want the devil to have the ability to have a foothold when it comes to my children. I don't want to give the, the enemy the ability to attack my friends, but that's exactly what happens when we hold on to an offense. Notice it didn't say don't get angry about it. It didn't say forget about it. It just simply said don't sin in the middle of it. Don't carry around that weight of it. See, if I live in anger and I live in bitterness and I harbor that bitterness and I, and I leave easily offended, and that's the problem with so many of you, you live easily offended. That that's my problem so many times. Let me just hobby horse for a minute. That's my problem with so many of you who choose different lifestyles. Go choose whatever lifestyle you want to choose. And your mind automatically went to sexual lifestyles. I'm not even mean. I'm talking about business-wise, financial-wise, marriage-wise, whatever. You do you, boo-boo. But quit throwing it out there looking for someone to disagree with it. That's what you're doing. I've got a buddy of mine right now who just stepped out. He quit his job. He, he said, man, I want to... I want to." I want to have that freedom you have. I've watched you now for almost 15 years do your thing. That's what I want to do. So he stepped out. He quit his job. He's being very successful. But all of a sudden now he's got family members that don't understand it. And he almost flaunts it now to them. I do what I want to do. No, you're insecure. Who cares what they think? They feed you. They pay your bills. They have sex with you. You don't do those three things. Who cares? I don't care your opinion. I got over that a long time ago. But you, you look to be offended because you're insecure in your stance. 
You brag that you don't care what others think, but you really do. Be confident in the choices you make, and if they don't like it, who cares? Man, you're looking to harbor those things. You're giving the enemy access to your life. I was thinking this week, how would the enemy set up things and attack us, and what would he do in a foothold? I got to think, man, if I was the devil, to a lot of people I am the devil, I got to think, how would I go and set up a foothold? I, I think I came up with some good things. How, how would I attack people where I could ruin their lives? How would I get them off course? The first thing I'd do is I would divide family, friends, and churches. If I was the devil, that'd be my first move. I'd make them so weak-minded that they get offended by everything that it actually divides friendships, families, and churches. Pretty ingenious plan, wouldn't it be? Over dumb stuff. I would cause as much division between friends as I could. That'd be my move. I would cause as much division among families as I could. And I'd do it over stupid stuff. I wouldn't do it over like stuff that like actually affects me. I do it over stuff that doesn't affect me. Like like I, I would talk politics. Not create divide. I, I would throw things out there like uh, racial division with people. That's what I do. I mean, I, I know that doesn't happen in our world today. It's not how the devil works. I'm just saying, if I was the devil. I'd have some uh, discussions over misunderstandings and very toxic opinions. Maybe throw some vaccine stuff in there. I'd move it. I'd cause a division. I I would get families or churches. Do you know how many churches have been destroyed over something as stupid as to mask or not mask? I thought that was always the stupidest thing in the world. So where do you stand on mask? I stand on I don't wear one. But if you want to wear one, guess what doesn't affect me? Read that paper all day long, baby. I don't care. Like, isn't it funny? Think of it. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't affect me. It affects me when the government tells me I have to do it. But, like, we just don't allow people. I was out the other day, and some people had a mask on. I heard other people, like, those people. You didn't even know those people. You don't know anything about those people. But how did those people walk into the store with a mask even affect you? You were going to get offended by it. Stupid. You're looking to be offended. Some of you are offended right now. That's why there's no amens. Some of you are like, I won't be back next week. That's cool. You'll hear it this week. It's not my job to tell you what you want to hear. Someone told me one time, they said, "You, you should just... Stick to being a speaker. I'm not a speaker. That's a speaker. My job is to preach to you the truth of the Word of God, even if you don't like it. And guess what? I don't like it either. I'd rather be offended. I'd rather get angry. It's what I do. I come in and try to divide the church over who we should love and who we shouldn't love. Like The church is literally splitting over issues At the end of the day, we're just called to love. And what about this? We're called to love. If you have a problem with us loving all people, regardless of their social standing, the color of their skin, or their sexual preference, you're going to be real, real miserable at Action Church. And the funny thing is I'm probably the most right-leaning, redneck, white trash pastor in this community and I feel that way. So it ain't hard. We just love people. It's not complicated. I divide people. You know what else I do? I would distract Christians from their mission. I'd get them so fired up and so distracted and so offended. I'd get them arguing about everything and anything in culture. I'd get the, you know what I'd do? I'd get the Christians to start boycotting businesses. I'd get them angry about Disney. I'd get them complaining online about the latest Netflix documentary that came out that they don't think is right. 
I, I just get them distracted about all these things instead of loving people. I'd rally the troops and we'd go boycott something just to say we boycotted. I mean, that'd just be my move. I'd get them distracted. See, we have a mission here as Christ followers. The Bible says we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have a mission here as Christians and we're to go tell other people about Jesus. That is our only mission. That's why we exist. We're to take outsiders and make them insiders. I always wonder if Christians or Christ followers got as excited about spreading the gospel as they do boycotting stuff. How much more effective we would be. If they got more interested in feeding those without food instead of griping about the Netflix documentaries. Have you know what Disney did? Did you see this scene in this movie? Shut up and just tell people about Jesus. Not complicated. I would get Christians, man. I'm telling you what I do. I divide families. I would distract Christians. Oh, you know what else I do? I, I would discredit their witness. I discredit their witness. This would be really easy to do. Because what I do is I'd come along and just focus on everything they're against instead of what they're for. I'd make them seem like they were bigots and racists because, man, all they do is talk about what they're against instead of what they're for. I'd come along and I'd keep them angry. I'd keep them critical, judgmental, hypocritical, self-centered, self-righteous. I'd basically turn them into Baptists. You know, that's what I do. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. I meant Methodist. I mean, I'm sorry. I meant church. I mean, I'm sorry. I just meant I'd get them distracted from their mission. I'd discredit their witness. I'd make sure that the world saw them as crazy people. I'd make sure the fringe nuts are the ones that always ended up on the news, acting like they were idiots. I'd take the group of Christians that go and boycott gay soldiers' funerals, and I'd make sure, if I was the devil now, I'd make sure that they were the ones that were always on the news and were always getting the attention and i try to make all their videos go viral. That way, we'd all get lumped in with those idiots. I had a guy one time, I knew him, this is about 20 years ago. I, I just never, and I, please, I'm not endorsing anything. Please don't take this wrong, but it's an interesting story. This man was very high up in the KKK, very high up. Multi-millionaire. One of the sharpest businessmen you ever knew. In a million years, no one would have ever associated him with his racist views. And I asked him one time, I said, man, don't you get embarrassed by these idiots that they show on the news? They got like four teeth. They're running around. He said, no. He said, we like it when they focus on them. He goes, let the foot soldiers act like idiots and get the attention, and we just stay focused on our mission. That's what the devil does with us. He takes the idiots, puts them on the news. We get lumped in with all of them, but the difference is we're not trying to be shy about our mission. We're supposed to be bold in our mission, but we can't because the devil's taking the idiots and everybody associates us with the idiots. I hate to even use the word Christian anymore. It's embarrassing. I'm just saying that's what I'd do if I was the devil. If I were a demon, I would... Divide, discredit, distract, and we see it happening all the time because we're getting sinful in our anger. We're getting upset about things. We see it happening with family members. We see it happening with the church. We see it happening with the body of Christ because we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to deal with being offended. But Ephesians 4.26, can you put that verse back up, Xander, please, 4.26? Um, yeah, here we go. Look what it says. Your anger do not sin. Don't give the devil food, but look at the middle part. It says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So Gary, we get angry, we get sinful. How do we deal with it? It's real simple. You handle it. You don't let the sun go down on your anger. You don't let your day come to an end. You don't allow your day to end while you're still harboring bitterness towards someone. It's very powerful. Here's what this verse implies. 
It implies, it implies, it implies that the day of your hurt, it's good preaching right here, but I don't care if a white boy is doing it. Listen, the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. You hang on to it. I have some core values in my life. One of my values is run to confrontation. I don't like confrontation. People mistake that first, or that value. I don't enjoy it, but I want to get it handled. If I have a situation that needs to be handled, I don't want to live it in my mind for four days and then go handle it. I want to handle it immediately. That's what it's saying here. The day of your hurt should be the day of your healing. The day someone offends you should be the very same day that as a follower of Christ... We're working to bring reconciliation to that relationship. We're going to fix it. We're going to do what we can. i got to be honest with you. This principle has been a game changer in my marriage in 10 years. And not because of me. Because of Christine. She will let you know we are not going to sleep angry. Now, we'll go to bed angry. We're going to bed angry. That's some stuff right there, ain't it? We're going to go to bed angry. But she ain't going to let us go to sleep. God knows. We're going to see the sun come up. I sometimes, we'll deal with this tomorrow. What means tomorrow is I'm going to wake up still angry. And now what could have been resolved is now two days, three days. Side note, this has nothing to do with the sermon. Boy, going to bed angry, that's a weird thing, ain't it? It's almost like a game. I don't even know if we realize the point system in that. Like, no one told us to do it, but there's a point system. Like, you get one point when you go to bed angry and your backs to each other. That's part of it. You can't face each other. You got to have back to back. Oh, you get another point if you huff. Like, that's my move. It's been quiet for me. <laughs> like, I, I call this a three-point shot. That's a three-point shot right here. While you're back-to-back, you do the huff, and then you do the, the crocodile roll with the covers and jerk the covers off them, knowing you're being spiteful. We're angry. Like you lose some points too. Like if you're laying there back to back and like you get relaxed for a minute and your foot touches him, that you lose a point. Don't touch me. Ain't going to get no toe action tonight. Like there's just some rules. Am I wrong? Like it's funny how that game's played. (laughs) Man. Like, Like you lose a point if you turn around and actually have try to have a godly discussion. That's not how the game's played. I can win the go-to-bed angry game. But Christine is not going to let me win the go-to-sleep angry game. It's not going to happen. We ain't going to bed till we settle this. Now, one time, that started on Sunday, and we didn't go to sleep till Thursday. No, I'm just kidding, but you get my point. But how different do we think our friendships would be? How different do we think our families would be? How different do we think the body of Christ would be? If the day that I was offended, I went to the person who offended me. And then if I'm the person they come to, I look at them. Because I love them and my intention was never to offend them. And we justify it too. i just given them the truth. The truth can be offensive sometimes. You know that... I've learned that I can give the truth in an offensive way or a non-offensive way. Still the truth. I went to him and said, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to offend you. Here's what I, and I'm not saying you back down from your stance. What if I just gave that truth with, with, with grace? Well, what if I begin to forgive the minute the offense happens? I like to call it preemptive forgiveness. That's what Christ had for us. He died on the cross for our sins before we ever screwed up. 
But we got, re- we got prerequisite with ours. I got this new revelation. So I'm about 10 years into the Cope family now. So last night I made a comment. I was cracking a joke. And I said, I think the bride that was not there, I said, I think she ran. Came to her. Or no, I said, I think the groom ran. He came to a census. One of Christine's uncles said, hey, don't be talking about my family. He was joking. I said, no, 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 I've been around 10 years now. It's my family, too. I can say whatever I want to. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I said, I couldn't have said that six months ago. That's nine and a half years. Ten years in, now I'm family. I got a decade in. But I'm going to hurt some feelings right here. I pulled one of them off to the side last night, and someone said, you need to go fix the situation. He had every reason why he couldn't fix the situation, why he wouldn't fix the situation. I love this person. I hate that there's contrast in the family, but his pride will not allow him to fix the situation. It's a shame because it's a situation that could be fixed like that. But in our anger, we sin. We sin by letting pride swell up in us. But what would happen if the day of the offense, we fixed the offense? I got a text message this morning. Don't you hate when your wife puts you in your place? Mm, I got a text message this morning from the person who doesn't like me thanking me for doing the wedding last night. He said, did you respond? I said, no, I didn't respond. I said, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to respond. I wasn't really going to respond that way because I would never disrespect her that way. He said, no, you're not. Yes, ma'am. I said, you're right. I'm just not going to respond. He said, oh, yes, you are. She said, you're going to say you're welcome. I said, no, I'm not. This is all out in the lobby. This is 30 minutes ago. I said, Pfft. She walked away, pulled out my phone, and said, you're welcome. <laughs> I said, you know what I mean? I know what I'm fixing to preach on. Why am I going to let my pride swell up? Man. So I want the sun to go down your ear, fix it. Now, that doesn't mean we can always sit to the Bible says as much as it depends on us, live at peace with all people. We're responsible to do as much as we can to bring peace. Now, look what it says after this. After you've done that, you've resolved the thing. Look what it says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of other according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So only speak what is beneficial. How are you doing with this? Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. Now, for the longest time, I was taught that this meant cuss words. I've always argued that point. If you break it down, it doesn't mean, if you break it down, it doesn't. If you go back and follow Peter, Peter said things in that day that were their equivalent of cuss words like us. Unwholesome talk is not talking about cussing. It's not talking about if the F-bomb is a cuss word or a four-letter word is a cuss word. Get over that. Words are words. I don't agree. Well, that's fine. Cool. What it's talking about is not letting anything unwholesome come out of our mouth. Not belittling. Not bad-mouthing. Not criticizing. Not gossiping. Not name-calling. It means when they're a bunch of idiots, you don't call them a bunch of idiots. It says don't let anything come out of your mouth except for that that is beneficial to those who listen. That's the problem. We get angry. We get offensive. And we start belittling. Well, they're stupid. You know what? You, you got, they got to have a mental disorder if they voted for so-and-so. On both sides, both sides say that. Well, they're idiots for this and that and that. And, blah, 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 and we belittle. How is that making the situation better? You know what I've learned? I have an idiot in town. I think I shared about this idiot last week. Oh, I said, is, is that belittling? I'm sorry, hold on. Is that not, that's unwholesome talk. I have a gentleman in town that I very much do not like. I'm sure he's a great idiot, but nevertheless, he's an idiot. You know what I mean? And he's kind of been needling me lately. I felt the need to respond. And then I said, oh, man, you don't have to respond. I was like, man, why would I respond? Then other people started contacting me in the community. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. They started contacting me. 
what's up with so-and-so? What's so-and-so upset about? And I learned something. I, I don't need to have unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. I need to expose him. No, I don't. He was exposing himself. All I had to do was shut up. That's hard for me. That's hard for my ego. That's hard for the masculine values I have. That's hard for my pride. I won't crush him. But then I crush him and I'm the bad guy. I just step back and let him hang himself. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only that which is beneficial for building up. So how do we deal with those people? We don't send our anger. We confront them. We don't deal with the sun going down our anger. We don't allow unwholesome talk. Because here's what unwholesome talk is. It feeds into it. You start calling your friends and start playing, you know, and you want validation, and they're validating you. And so now misery loves company, and you're feeding it up. But I would do the same thing, and it just builds up on it. And it doesn't mean your emotions are not true, but nothing beneficial comes out of it. We love to gossip about it and gripe about it and complain about it. And all that does is fuel us. It fuels our anger in the situation. We've got to learn to build up when we talk. Me and Christine, very rarely anymore, we've learned how to fight. I've learned that she's always right. No, but we've learned. Early on, boy, it was World War III. But I ain't going to lie to you, this last Friday, because you know I keep it real. We threw down. It's been years, two years, three years since we've thrown down like that. She was in the wrong. I was in the wrong. I didn't read the room right. Then I got two. Don't miss this. I did everything opposite of what I'm preaching right now. Amazing it didn't work. Then I got prideful when I got angry. Then she got angry. But then I decided she was angry and raising hell, and I was just going to sit there with a smirk on my face and be quiet because that was the right thing to do because the smirk made it so much better. And then I did the horrible thing. Guys, let me give you some advice. When they're raising hell, do not roll your eyes. Like you would think at 46 I would learn some things, but I didn't. I didn't. We fought. You know why we fought? <laughs> because both of us did the exact opposite of what I'm preaching today. That's how the devil works. I'm going to give you some rules to live by. When you're offended with somebody, especially your spouse. I'm going to give you some rules on uplifting. I hate rules, but the first thing is this. We're never going to call names. Never going to call names. I will say Christine and I are good at that. I told her very early on, do not call me names because you're angry. I do not call her names. Nothing good comes out of names. That's how you start. On Facebook, you start with name calling. Damn libertard. Like, how do you think that's going to go over? Like, why are you calling names? Never, oh, this was hard. Don't raise your voice. Nothing good comes from the voice being raised. Say amen, Christine. No one, check this out. No one has ever been changed by someone yelling at them. People are changed when there's love in the voice. You're texting or communicating. I, someone came in and said, Man, that thing you said about texting each other when we're fighting is great. Awesome. I love it. Don't do it in all caps. That's yelling. Old timers. I know you don't know that. All caps means you're yelling. Never get historical. Not hysterical, because don't do that either. But don't get historical. No. Remember when? I did that Friday, didn't I? Woo, that did not go good. Learn from me. <laughs> Let my mistakes save you. I did this too. God darn, I broke all my rules. This sermon was already written too. Never say never. Like, you never do this. Like, don't swipe in broad strokes. Never, if you're married and you're, don't threaten divorce. Last rule, most important rule. Don't miss this one. You're arguing with someone, but especially your spouse, let me make this clear. If you don't hear anything else I said today, hear this. Do not quote your pastor. Do not put me in the middle of your argument. I say some stupid stuff, ignore it. 
Okay? Do not bring me up in that. Let me summarize that. What it says is don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't allow it to happen. Only that that builds people up. That encourages people. That loves people. You've never won an argument on social media. Never. It just doesn't happen. Just love people. And if you feel you can't love them and got to argue with them all the time, unfriend them. If that don't do it, block them. And don't go create a, a burner account then where you can go watch them. Man. But Gary, what about if my anger, this is what everyone says, is righteous anger. And I get it. There's some things, man, that, that anger us. Righteous anger. But the problem is anger is, it gives the connotation of um, a fire, a rage, destructive. We never put the word righteous in front of other sins. I have righteous lust. Sounds stupid, don't it? I have righteous greed. A lot of Baptist preachers think they have righteous gluttony. We'll take the anger and we'll justify being sinful because it's righteous anger. I'm angry about the things that anger God. We should care about the things that God gets angry about. But we should be loving in those things. We just love to fight. We have to be right. Got to get done. I'm hungry. Last verse right now. It's not the last verse. I just lied to you. Two more verses. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage. Anger, brawling, slander. And he says, let me just cover all the bases. I'm sick of listing things. Matter of fact, just get rid of every form of malice. Check it out. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the devil get a foothold in your... This just preaches itself. Don't let the devil get a foothold. So what happens? The devil gets a foothold when you're angry. The best way... To deal with our anger is to deal with the situation. Quit being a chicken person. Deal with it. Don't let unwholesome talk. Quit gossiping. Quit feeding off each other. Only edification is to get rid of all the bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, alone. But Gary, you don't know what they did to me. I know I don't. Some of you are non-Christians, and man, you have every right to be mad because we as Christ followers have done the opposite of everything I preach today. So now you're angry with the church. You have bitterness towards the church. You have anger, and you want to brawl at the church. And it frustrates you, and you're angry about it, and in your anger, you're sinning. I'm so sorry the church has been so shitty. That's why we started this church. I'll go ahead and tell you, there's an, you think you hate church? Trust me, you don't hate church anywhere near like I hate church. Let me back that up. I love church with Christ created what the church has become. I'm sorry the church has hurt you. We're those people to you. But the principles stay the same, man. You've got to deal with those people. Because here's the deal. I hate to tell you this. You're angry at them and they're not even thinking about you. You're allowing them to replay the hurt over and over and over in your head, and they don't even think about you. You're not hurting the church by hating the church. You're hurting yourself. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all the rage. It's almost like it says, man, I'm going to name everything I can. Just get rid of it. Crazy. Look what he says in the next verse. Be kind. Oh, I hate that. Hate it. Be compassionate. I hate when God just lays it out for us. Don't be this. Be this. There's no way around what he wrote. 
told you last week, it's not a buffet. You don't get to pick and choose. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Take this in context. Who are we being kind and compassionate to? It goes back to the beginning. Four verses earlier. Those that have made us angry. You take this verse in its own context, you might think it's just being those that we like. No, it's back to those who made us angry. My problem with preachers who just take one verse and preach on it. Take them in their context. Who are we being kind to? The one who made us angry. The one we're not allowing the sun go down in anger. The one we're not allowing the devil to get a foothold on. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Oh my God, I hate this part. The reminder zinger, boom, just as Christ forgave you. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. Man, I could write a book on how to F up your life. Volume 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. I'm 46. I probably got about three more versions in me. Hold your fork. And Christ forgave me. He loves me. He forgave me before I ever did it. Preemptive forgiveness. God dang, sometimes I impress myself with the preaching. See, we like to shout truth from a distance. Hey, don't do that! you got to love up close. That's the problem with the church. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to come out here on a Wednesday and give away food. They don't want to open their building up to those that are struggling with addiction because, man, they, they might mess it up. It might ruin their pretty building. I walked in here yesterday, and the entire ceiling out in the lobby basically caved in. I had to go to a wedding. Thank God. Matter of fact, give Faye and Darren a round of applause. They came down here and cleaned it up. Here's the deal. Had they not been able to clean it up, someone said, it's literally someone said, are you going to cancel church? You think some fallen ceiling tiles the worst we've ever seen here? We had a drunk Spanish guy last week in the lobby laid out face first. We just stepped over him and went to church. Give me a break. We want to love from a distance. You can't love from a distance. You can shout and judge from a distance. can't love from a distance. I'm going to wrap it up right here. I have a friend, and he's one of those people. One of those people. I love him. He's one of those people. He's always right. Always. I mean, he's not always just right. He's a right about everything. He's right about how church should be done. He's right about what theology is right. He's right about what other churches are doing wrong, especially Action Church. He knows how everyone should spend their money. Everybody is an idiot but him. He's right about how to raise kids. Even though his three kids have nothing to do with him, he's right about it. He, oh God, he definitely knows what the government's doing wrong. He knows the real truth about COVID. And all of his sources are right. He knows about the right doctors and the right politicians. And he's just right about everything. Some of you right now are saying, I had that same friend. <laughs> I told him one day, I said, man, I said, I'm the luckiest dude in the world. He said, what do you mean? I said, at 8 billion people in this world, God allowed the smartest guy in the world to be my friend. I said, I'm so lucky. Some of you are like, are you worried he's going to hear this? If he heard this right now, if he was watching online, he wouldn't even know I was talking about it. He'd think I was talking about somebody else because he's one of those people. He is totally and completely one of those people. But don't miss this. He's oblivious to it. And that hit me this week. Here I am preaching about those people. Yet I wonder how many people out there think I'm one of those people. I begin to pray this in my prayers in the morning this week. Psalms 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive thing in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You know what I decided to do this week? 
Instead of worrying about those people, I changed my prayer this week. And my prayer now is, God, make me aware if I'm one of those people. Because I'm responsible for myself. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. I hate a hypocrite. And I'm sure in a lot of areas of my life I've been one. I got to thinking about that guy in town that I told you has kind of been needling me. And I wonder if to his friends, he's like, I don't know what the deal is with that Gary guy. <laughs> he's been needling me. Because I have. I'm not going to lie. Now, I feel like I'm justified because he did it first. Well, I felt justified until I preached this sermon. <laughs> I'm just praying for God to search me now. I, I'm going to quit worrying about those people and just love them. And I'm going to spend more time worrying about whether or not I am those people.